Hi, and welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us online and remind you to feel free to visit our website at seacoastvineyard.com anytime for up-to-date information on our local church here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. If you would like to give financially to this ministry, whether that's a one-time gift or a recurring monthly gift, simply click on the Give tab at our website and give however God leads you. Now, we want you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Well, today we are going to bring it to a close, our series in What's in a Name. I hope you've enjoyed this. You've got to know uh, God a little bit better as we've made our ways through the Old Testament, looking at the different names for God. When we started this, we said that uh, God is so great, so awesome, that there's no one name that could really describe all of his characteristics. Though we use the name God, he is one true God, he is God. Uh, But at the same time, in the Old Testament... We see him describing himself with different names attached to Jehovah like and also Elohim, uh, the strong creator. Different names as God tried to get his people to understand exactly who he is. Now, most of the names that we see, if not all of them except for one, were given to the patriarchs in the Old Testament by God himself. But today as we close this out, we're going to see an instance where actually... One of the patriarchs named God, gave God a name because of his experience. And I have to tell you, this is the most challenging passage of Scripture I've ever had to deal with. Because this is the story of Abraham and his son Isaac. And when they went up to Moriah, and God told him to sacrifice his one and only son. Anybody ever heard the story, read the story before? Yeah, have have you ever read anything by God where you just want to throw a red flag and go, Whoa, God, uh, roll the tape back. Okay, no, 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 you didn't say that. No way, you didn't say that. Hold it, hold it, hold it. And then you roll it back and it's a no call. No, he did say that. And you go, wait a minute, I I don't get this, God. What is So we're going to close it out with a very, well, it's just difficult. But it's in the book. And so we got to look at it, right? If it's in the book, we need to take a look. So we're going to do that. We're going to be over in Genesis 22, uh, the first verse through the 19th verse. Now let me set this up, the context for you, because um, we get a, we, this may help you a little bit in understanding it. During the first five books of the Bible written by Moses, Moses is looking back at creation and back through all of these years with Abraham and all. Well, when all of this started after getting kicked out of the garden and all, and mankind got the, you know, got the results of their sin and their failure, well, they moved into life and things didn't go as God had planned for them. I mean, for us, in other words. He knew we were going to fail, but there we go. Well, what happened is the inhabitants of the early land and the patriarch land at that time had multiple gods. Some of the things we don't get sometimes is God speaks into the culture with the culture. You get this? Mankind had multiple gods or thought they had multiple gods. Polytheistic, they call it. And so if God or gods, there were micro gods, there were major gods, there were gods over this, gods over that. And if a god, like a fertility god, gave you a child, then that god had the right to ask for them back. They gave it to you. They had the right to say, I'll want them back. And so that's the culture 
that we find Abraham in. God is beginning through his names in the Old Testament to describe to mankind that he is it's a, he's one. He's not multiple out there. He's the one true God. And so the journey has begun, and God, by the time we get to Moses, Moses completely understands this. But as we make our way through this, God begins to give evidence to Abraham. And so Abraham is, you know, he's, he's at a time on this earth when there were, they believed there were multiple gods. And the rest, of the, the rest of the surrounding areas would celebrate with multiple gods. And, of course, God chose Israel and is calling Israel out. Uh, through Abraham, eventually to be his people. And so God begins to speak to Abraham about he is the one true God. So that's where we find the journey. God speaks into the culture many times with with the culture's language and practices to say, hey, look at me. I'm different. Look at me because this is what you understand. So does that help a little bit set the context up? Because a lot of times we go, why didn't God just step in and go bang, change it, end the story? But God is bringing humanity along as he reveals Jesus in Israel, uses Israel to get Jesus to the earth. And so this is, to me, it's an amazing, God is really smart. He just speaks into the culture and he begins to bring Abraham along at this point. So the story is Abraham for what, a hundred years, you know, basically. Promised the child at 75, no child by 85, so he takes a shortcut, Right? Ishmael at 86 is born. He gets on in another 10 years, 95, 98 at 100. He has the promised child, Isaac. He has settled in Beersheba. There's no wars going on. He's wealthy. Life is good. Have you ever been in that place where life is just awesome and then something, the the bottom drops out? You know, it's like, and a lot of us think that life is meant to be a monorail, but it's really a roller coaster. It's like you're either coming out of some harsh situation or you're going into one or you're in the middle of one a lot of times. And life isn't a monorail. It is indeed an up and down in life. And and so this is where we find Abraham. Life is good. He would have had the cap on. That would have been him. Everything. He's got his promised child. He's, He's grown some now. And then God comes to him. Do we need to read this story? Do you guys want to read it? You want to read it? Okay, good. we're going to take the time if you want to. It's going to be up here. We can read it together. Let's do it. Because I don't want anybody to miss this. If you're new to church, I know you've had this question. How could God do these kind of things? So I want, I want us to read it together. Let's read it. Here we go. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Go ahead.
burnt offering. angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time. I swear by good i mean singing now reading the bible i'm ready to go home this is great you guys are awesome yeah this whole issue you know it's it's crazy because earlier what he's talking about in the covenant is god had abraham go outside and this is again part of the culture had him take uh sacrifices animals cut them in half i know this is gross but this is part of the culture of that day right Cut them in half. God speaks with the culture of the day. Cuts them in half. And you part them. And the way you made an agreement is you walked between it to establish a contract. Which basically meant, if I don't hold up my part of the bargain, you can do this to me. That's what God said. If I don't hold up my part of the bargain. Now, I don't know how you do that to God. But that's how serious God was about it. In making this pot this of... of just flames just went through the middle of that with Abraham to say, this is going to come true. You ever had a promise like that where, you, God, you feel like God gave you something and then all of a sudden it's like you're not going to have it any longer or it's, not gonna, it's just not going to happen? And your one and only son, he who doesn't say anything about Sarah here because I know Abraham wouldn't have gone to Sarah and say, hey, by the way, we're taking our son up for a sacrifice this morning. You know, it's not like... <laughs> Yeah, it, it, there's no talk of Sarah there at all or any of that. And, and the, the thing about this is the next mor- morning, it says early, he got up and then he got everything he needed and had his son carry the wood. This is an awkward passage of Scripture. But the focus on God and God alone in this text it can't be 
We can't lose that aspect of this. We can't lose the aspect that when God calls us to himself, he calls us to himself and everything else slides down below that priority of knowing him. And he gives us ample opportunity to make those decisions at at times and even to, to do a checklist in our own hearts. Do I really love God? Do I really serve God? Because I love him. Not because of the things he can give me. Your fill in today. By the way, if God wanted to say, don't burn your children, which he did say in Deuteronomy and Leviticus, as you continue to read on, God tries to change that culture. He says, do not sacrifice your children. Don't burn them. Both books he tells them this. But again, he's speaking at that point into the culture. And so uh, he could have just done it, but there's more at work here. So your first feeling is this. Jehovah Jireh, God provides, or I like this definition of Jehovah Jireh, God will see to it. He will see to it. The first feeling is Jehovah Jireh when God asks for more than I can give. Jehovah Jireh when God asks for more than I can give. I don't know how many times we probably said God will never give me more than I can handle. That's just not true. (laughs) I'm sorry. I've lived long enough to know that. (laughs) That's just not true. He will give you more than you can handle on your own. And he will do it two or three times maybe in your life where everything is on the line. It's like, what am I going to get out of this? You know, I can't give this. This is the most wonderful thing. I can't let go of this. But he will deal with you whether it's in your heart or it's something literally that you have to let go. I mean, we go, wait a minute, God. That's your blessing to me. Don't, you, know, you wouldn't take that from me. You wouldn't take that from me. And what do we do at times like that? We clutch. We hold on to it. Do we just grapple with it, sink our fingernails into it when God asks for us to is he enough? Is he enough? God asks us for things that we feel like we can't give up, affections we can't give up. You know, like every good parent, we want to be loved not for what we give our children, but because of who we are, right? I mean, if, you keep, you know, if your kids only love you for what you can give them, you don't have a relationship, you're a bank. You're, you're, you know, you're not really a father, right? There's not that relationship. And God, like any good father, wants to know that we love him and we trust him just because he's who he is. And I'm not going to take the tension out of this. I'm going to try to walk us through this, okay? Because I don't like this scripture, you know? And, uh, but God didn't ask me about it when he did it. And uh, so... I mean, what are you holding on to? I, I've told this story before, but years ago in a little small Assemblies of God church, this, a pastor was, I was probably 26 years old, first church I served at, and he was preaching on this about giving up the things you love, right? And I'm sitting, I'm so fired up for Jesus, and I'm like, okay, God, okay. And he's like, what, what do you need to give up this morning? What do you need? You know, Pentecostal, what do you need? Lay it on the altar right now. You know, he's preaching. And I'm like, oh, God, what do I have? What do I have? You know, and of course, God never would ask me for, like, me to give up total affection for my kids or my wife or, or surfing, never. But, you know, but I had a guitar I really loved. I had a guitar I really loved, and I happened to have it in my office. And I was like, not that, God, please, not my guitar. You know, and I mean, so I went and grabbed my guitar, put it on the altar, and then he says, I'm just kidding, just trying your heart, you know. And I was like, man, I'm glad I didn't give him my guitar. 
But it goes way beyond a guitar. This does. <laughs> it goes way beyond that. It's what is that thing that you hold on to so tight? And it's probably a blessing from God. It's what you hold on to so tightly. What do you do when God asks for more than you can give? What is your Isaac this morning? What is your Isaac? Money, prestige, control, ego, respect. What is it? And, and don't, don't misapply the scripture and think I've got to take my kid out, you know, and do. That's not what this is about, you know. God is, is, of course, giving us a picture later on, which we'll talk about here in just a moment at the end. And, but, you know, what is your Isaac? What are you holding on to that you value more than you do God? More than you do Him? Abraham rises early in the morning. There's no arguing about it. Immediately gets up, gets what's needed, and he heads off. You know, there's something about behavior that God likes. There's something about doing it. Action. How many times do we say, well, God knows my heart? Well, yeah. <laughs> what? Whoa, I never thought of that. That's great. You know, God knows I worship Him. I don't have to worship Him. I don't have to lift my hands. I don't have to sing. God knows. But there's something about Him seeing us in action that does something to Him. I mean, Abraham could have gone, God, you know, you know, I give Isaac for you. You know my heart. You know I do. But he gets up. There's no discussion. There's nothing here between Abraham and God. He, he obeys. He does what is asked of him. And he does it quickly. But it takes three days to get to the mountain. I'm, it's one thing if you're a real spontaneous person and then you go, what have I done? It's another thing when you have three days to think about it. Three days watching your son carry the wood. Three days to figure, what is God going to do here? How is he going to deal with this? And nothing happens the first day, the second day, the third day. And you get to the mountain. So, Jehovah Jireh, God will provide. God will see to it when God, you know, when he asks more than I can give him. And your second one is this, Jehovah Jireh, when God is all I get. Jehovah Jireh, when he is the only thing I get. If you have ever sat in a place of loss and heartache and grief, you know what I'm talking about. If you've sat in that place where it looks like you have lost the things that are most precious to you, that's the depth of where you will find out, indeed, if you love him more than anything doesn't mean you're not angry or that you're not grieving of course you do but that's where you find out the depth of your relationship with God is at that moment and at that time Jehovah Jireh when God is all I get and you know it's not just his son on the altar it's the whole covenant is on the altar blessing the nations blessing it's all there God's reputation is on the altar with Isaac because he said he would he would do what he would do. He was going to make, you know, he was going to make Abraham a great man and children like the stars of the sky and sand on the beach. And, and now it's all on the line. Jehovah Jireh, when God is all I get. Are we motivated by our relationship with God? What's your relationship like with God? Like alone every day. 
What's it like? Is it just a cerebral shout out? You know, it's like, hey, God, thanks for loving me today. Praise you. Or is there a relationship? Because at these times, that's where this, this is where that's exposed. Abraham had an amazing relationship with God that carried him through this. You don't have to wait to those times to develop those relationships. You can start now. Start now trusting him and having faith in him and developing it so that you do understand he's a good God like we sang a while ago. Jesus uh, had a young man. Well, we call him a young man. Rich young ruler is what we call him over in Luke 18. This is a similar story actually in many ways because in Jesus' culture, those who had a lot, and, uh, and you either had nothing or you had an exorbitant amount in his day. There was no middle class in Jesus' day. None. There was no middle class for hundreds of years. And so it was a whole different culture. But this guy came to Jesus and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, you know, lo- you know, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Well, I've done that. Well, hey, obey the Ten Commandments. I've done that since I was a child. And Jesus really had an affection for this young, rich guy. And, and then he says this to him. Go and sell every single thing you have and come and follow me. And it says he went away sad. Because in that day, if you had a lot, it was a sign of God's blessings. That's what they believed. And Jesus said, give it up. Do you really want to know what this kingdom is like? Give it up and come on and follow me. This is not an easy passage and it shouts to us it's got exclamation points on it and it's it's just in bold printed 150 you know size text and it's yelling at us do you love me more than the things i give you would you serve me if you got nothing out of it would you now of course we get a lot out of it. what if we didn't or what if he asked for it Do we love him? When God is all I get, do I still love him? Am I still willing to follow him? This is is really where real radical Christianity begins. And an Americanized, soft, pathetic belief system dissolves into the soil of dry nothingness is when we realize that God is enough. He is enough. And out of that comes a a changing of our hearts and our affections. It doesn't mean we don't hurt any less when we suffer loss, but it means we have hope. And it means that we know that God is good and we know that God is up to something. He's always up to something good. Always. And I believe Abraham knew that though he was wrestling the whole time. Hebrews eleven seventeen says this about Abraham in this period of time. Uh, By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises, the promises of God, was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the death. So hearing that, it means Abraham was willing to go through with it. 
he's like, God can raise him from the dead. That's not a whole lot of comfort, knowing you've got to slay your own son, right? True? You've got to go through that. But God, that's what the, the writer of Hebrews is telling us. So Jehovah Jireh, when God asks for more than I can give, Jehovah Jireh, when God is all I get, and your last one, Jehovah Jireh, when my vision lacks provision. Jehovah Jireh, when my vision lacks provision. You know, there's a, there's a relationship between, again, like I said at the first, of God seeing and, uh, and us thinking. Or, and it's also of God seeing us take a step before God provides. Have you ever noticed that in your life? I mean, even in the Old Testament, how many times do we see God calling people to go somewhere? And they go, where, God? And he says, I'll tell you when you get there. You know, I mean, right? I mean, or he says, go do this. And, 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 and they go like Gideon. Hey, I'm the smallest in my family. You're talking about me, big warrior. No way, not me. And God says, oh, yeah, I can do it through you. Come on, let's go. I mean, how many times do we see that? God, again and again, you know, when, when my vision lacks provision, as soon as I take a step, it seems like God will bring provision. But he rarely brings provision before we make a step. We want it all lined out. We want it all one, two, three, four. And he's asking us for obedience. And we're like, I'll obey if I've got everything I need in order to obey. If you give me this, God, then I will take that step. And God goes, oh, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. You know, and I'm not preaching foolishness here. You, you guys understand what I'm talking about. But he's like, oh, no, 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 no. Do you love me, Tim? Do you love me? I do. Take a step. I don't see anything out here, Lord. Take a step. Take a step. You know, take a step. That's the God that we serve, the God that called us. He's a good father. He's a father who wants us to love him and know him for who he is and not just for what he gives us. When Paul loved God so much and he wanted his Jewish friends to know God so much, he, he, you know, he said, look, I will suffer damnation, God, if you will just reveal yourself to my Jewish brothers and sisters. How's that? This is a call this morning for us to do an inventory, to check our hearts, to find out just why we're following God. And are we following God because of who he is or is it because of what he has given us or what we don't want to lose that he has given us? Because every good thing, we're told, comes down from the Father of lights above, right? Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. Every good thing you have has been given to you by a good father. But do you love him only for that? Or do you love and serve him and follow him because he's God? He's God. Now, you know, vision lacking provision is that what Abraham could not see. And this is just a beautiful moment. As, as he's going up this mountain, he left his two servants and, you know, the Midrash, the Jewish extra-biblical writings believe that the other two servants were Ishmael and, uh, and, his, and Abraham's personal assistant that were with him. 
Now, there's no biblical proof of that, but that makes it very interesting if it was them. And uh, in the Midrash also says that, um, that Isaac asked him, and his father told him he was going to be sacrificed, and he cried. But he said, okay, that's what God requires. That's in the Midrash, and don't quote that. You know, this extra biblical writing, but I find it amazing how we try to color things that are already pretty dramatic. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's dramatic in itself, right? But as Abraham goes up the hill with Isaac, with the fire, with the wood, at the same time he's going up that hill, there's a ram coming up the other side. Now, he cannot see the ram, the provision of God, but the vision of obeying God took him to the top of it, which brought God to bring provision up the other side of the mountain. But Abraham had no inkling other than his trust in God that this was going to happen, other than God's got this covered somehow, I don't know how, some way. And so as he made his way up this ram, Made its way up the mountain. And notice this when you read this story again. Which you will right. Um, When you read it again. Is that he did not see the ram. Until he had finished doing what God called him to do. He put his son on the altar. He bound him up. And he drew the knife back. When the angel said stop. Twice. Don't do it. And he says now I know you fear God. Now I know you fear God. And he saw the ram. You don't get provision many times until the very last horrible, scary moment where God goes, here it is. Here it is. But the whole time, it was coming up the other side of the mountain as you made your way up this side of the mountain. Do we love God because of who he is? Over and again in the New Testament and here in this passage, isn't it interesting? God, the angel, says, go sacrifice your son, your only son. What's he pointing to? My head is nowhere near right to be thinking of what God's thinking, but knowing that the father knew his own son was going to be sacrificed, And watching Abraham go through this, I can't help but think that God's going, I'm going to give a preview of just a little bit of what a father goes through, of what I'm going to go through when my son goes to the altar. And no, there won't be any angels saying, stop. There won't be a voice from heaven that says, stop. There will only be cursing and railing, and the spikes will go in the hand. The body will be killed as I watch my one and only son die. You get this? I can't help but think God's thinking that in his empathy and love for Abraham as well as giving us a preview of just exactly what the Heavenly Father was going to do some thousand years later as his own son went to the cross for you and I. Let's pray. Father, Thank you for your word today. This is a bold, bold, bold passage of scripture. And it requires bold people to read it. To embrace it. To ask themselves the hard questions. Do I love you God for who you are? Do I serve you for what I can get from you or because of who you are? 
The first Isaac some of you may have is your own life. You're holding on to your own life desperately, clutching to your own life, unwilling to let it go to God to see what kind of provision God has for you on the other side of that mountain. And I'm going to ask you to be bold today. And you won't be standing alone, but if that's you and God is calling you to follow him this morning... And you are to say yes, Lord, to him. And you're going to begin your journey with Christ. I'm going to ask you to stand right now. Just as this bold scripture calls us to consider whether we love God or not. I'm going to ask you to stand and say, yes, I am going to follow Jesus Christ. I give up the Isaac of my life to God this morning and begin my journey. Would you stand? And we'll stand with you. I want to pray for you. We want to stand with you. And secondly, church... What's your Isaac? What are you clutching on to this morning? What are you holding on to? What are you afraid to lose? If you know what that is, and as you do business with God, I would like for you to stand so we can all pray together. I know my Isaac this morning. I know what, I know what it is. Yes, thank you. Thank you. I know I'm standing, but I'm standing again and, uh, with you guys. Yes, that's right. Pray, ask God. You see that person, you see that issue, that situation, something you own, something you love. Could even be like forgiveness, you know, we just, we just can't let go of it. It's like, if I let go of this, I'll die. I just, I know I will. You trust God with it this morning. He loves you. He makes provision. He makes provision. Thank you, Lord. Come, God. Holy Spirit, come. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast from Seacoast Vineyard Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We look forward to you joining us next time on iTunes or at our website, www.seacoastvineyard.com.